Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Pi Podcast, the show by members of the Raspberry Pi community for the Raspberry Pi community. I'm Joe. I'm Isaac. And I'm Albert. And coming up, we'll be speaking to Russell Barnes about the Magpie magazine. But before that, let's do some news. So the, the big news in the last uh, week or so has been that uh, Code Club has joined with the Raspberry Pi. Code Club is going to become a, a wholly owned subsidiary of, of the Raspberry Pi Foundation. Um, so what do you think of this? I think this is an excellent union of two great ideas because, I mean, you get the Raspberry Pi Foundation now that can focus more on teaching, and they do a really good job of that, but I think you guys can agree one of the biggest gripes we usually hear on this podcast and from probably other people as well is a lot of teachers out there just kind of getting the path on their lap and saying, teach kids with this. And I feel like this is going to kind of help bridge that gap a little bit. And I was equally going to ask Albert, I know you have kids, are any of them involved in a co-club? Uh, no, mine are, mine are too young, but I'm actually um, one of the volunteers for, for a club in my kid's school. So I did the, the old cold club thing once it got launched. So 2012 was a great year. Pi came out. Cold club started. I volunteered. I contacted the principal in our school and basically said, I want to do something without knowing what I was going to do. And then between saying that and actually starting, cold club came out. So I used their, their first series of uh, sessions. So they provide nine sessions to begin with in Scratch and then a next another set and then they provide Python and they've got HTML and CSS as well. So they've all the coursework ready. It kind of takes away, you could say, the hard work really of setting up a club. I mean, you know, if you're if you're a technical programmer and you want to volunteer, then how to put together classwork and content and handouts for kids is 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 a major barrier and the club club just takes all of that away but it's not necessarily aimed at the raspberry pi is it the code club so it's kind of i mean it makes sense that it, they're joining together and presumably it's going to mean there's a bit more raspberry pi stuff involved yeah code club works on anything it, it's designed just to work with computers so there's nothing raspberry pi specific and the foundation have even said you know the content and the the coursework will still be independent it's just i would expect that going forward, they'll make sure that it can work on the Raspberry Pi. I mean, to me, the big thing here is um, most of what I've seen from the Raspberry Pi Foundation for Education has been great for kind of secondary schools, while the Code Club always targeted primary schools, so kind of years five and six in the UK. So this gives that bridge into primary schools as well and kind of arrives with a bang because the connections are there already. I think there's like 40,000 clubs or something. The connections are there, the, the content is there, the teachers already know what it is, the volunteer network is already in place. So it just means that it, it kind of accelerates that integration. Yeah, and it's got to be good news for both, hasn't it? Because they're both going to promote each other. You know, people who might not necessarily be using the Raspberry Pi might be using Code Club and vice versa. So it's just win-win for everyone, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like it's uh, it's like peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter is good by itself, and so is jelly, but together it's amazing. And I think these two together are going to be quite amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I found the announcement interesting that Code Club is becoming, it's being folded into the foundation. So rather than it just being a partnership, so I wonder if there was any, and again, this is just my speculation, I wonder if there's any logistical reason why that was needed by the Code Club people. Because it's very much volunteer run, is my understanding. There's a few kind of employees, but I would expect the Raspberry Pi Foundation is at a, a completely different scale and level. So for Code Club to grow and become international, it probably needed 
to be part of something bigger that could handle, well, the business side of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that makes sense, yeah. So it's uh, onward and upward for Code Club and Raspberry Pi Foundation. Yep. So uh, last weekend, there was uh, Barnes & Noble Mini Maker Fair, and there were Raspberry Pi jams at that. Now, we're talking a major retailer in the US here, aren't we? Oh, yeah, and it wasn't just uh, one Barnes & Noble. There was several. I looked at the Raspberry Jam map on the website, and I saw, I feel like 20, maybe, that was going on this past Saturday. I saw a lot of tweets going on from some famous maker people, a lot of people from the Raspberry Pi Foundation. It looked like a really good time. Yeah, and this is, if you think about it, Code Club is part of the educational remit of the Raspberry Pi Foundation, while this very much was the maker community, so the other the other half, the, the rest of us who enjoy it and play with it and, and get the benefit from it. And, you know, if you think on it, Raspberry Pi Foundation, Maker Fair, uh, Barnes & Noble, kind of a, a nice Venn diagram for the three of them to come together and, and do something great for the community. And, you know, with all of their promotional ability... I would suspect that these jams were were very well attended. Yeah, and it just goes to show how the Raspberry Pi is growing and becoming more international. I mean, there there was a time, I mean, you can attest to this, Isaac, where it was quite big in the UK, but wasn't that big in the US, whereas now it seems to be really growing there, doesn't it, the Raspberry Pi? Yeah, I've noticed that just from my meetup alone, because when I was looking at the map in the beginning, it was just everything was in the UK and there was just uh, maybe one or two, I think, ma- uh, jam meetups going on in the States. But now every time I look at the map, there's a, always a couple more now appearing in the States. And I think it's definitely starting to pick up a lot of steam. And leading into that, picking up steam, the Astro Pi website launched these past couple of weeks. And I feel like of all the projects I've seen done with the Raspberry Pi that they've been promoted pretty heavily on the foundation's website. This one project is picking up more and more steam and growing more and more every day because a number of projects uh, you could do with this are growing. You can access them through GitHub. And I was checking the website today and it's really, really nice. And also building on everything we just talked about, you can uh, I think use this along with some stuff that Code Club has. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the great thing with the Astro Pi is you just get the sense hat and you can run all of the same experiments. I think there is some environmental monitoring that's being done that's, you know, happening on the space station. But the sense hat is the, the main component that you need. So one piece of kit, plug it onto the Raspberry Pi, and you can do nearly everything that they're going to do in space. You can mirror exactly the same projects. And they're putting together all of the coursework and all of the, the, the content that's needed for schools to just do it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the various things you can do with the Pi, they're all fairly inspirational to kids to get them into coding and stuff. But to say there's a Raspberry Pi in space actually doing experiments up there, I think that that must be so inspirational to kids to think that, you know, they're using something that is happening in space. And the amazing thing is the code and the experiments is from kids from schools. Yeah. There's a competition. So it's not, you know, it's not like the the sort of equivalent of the NASA, the European Space Agency took the Raspberry Pi away and then made something with it that only they could do. The platform was created with the sense hat and then it just out to the schools. Hey, tell us what you want to do with this. Tell us what experiments you want to do. Tell us what you need. Provide us with your code. We'll get it on there and we'll get it into space. So you've been doing some maths then, Arba, about how many Raspberry Pis they're selling. And it's an awful lot, isn't it? It is. Um, and again, they, they mentioned, um, the new CEO mentioned that they've sold 7 million uh, Raspberry Pis in the latest edition of the Magpie magazine. 
Um, and I kind of went back and I went, wait a second. I remember when the uh, Raspberry Pi 2 was announced, Eben mentioned that soon afterwards they had sold 500,000 of the Raspberry Pi 2. So I went back and found an article where, you know, from the 19th of February, they were saying they'd 500,000 of which, or 5 million were sold, of which 500,000 were Raspberry Pi 2. So that means since uh, the middle of February, 2 million Raspberry Pis have been sold, which would average out to about 50, 55,000 a week. I mean, that's a phenomenal number for a product that the original goal was to get 10,000 of them out there. You know, and we haven't even hit Christmas yet. I mean, that's, that's, that's run rate <laughs> over the quiet period, you know. You know, if you think of the summer months, I, even with the lovely UK weather, I was outside a lot. <laughs> so I would expect that number to be, you know, eight, eight and a half, maybe nine million by the time they get to the, uh, the, the fourth anniversary. Yeah, well, they're going to sell one more because um, I'm going to borrow one for my niece for Christmas, hey, I've decided. There you go. Yeah, I completely agree with the Christmas thing because I don't think it's just going to be the Raspberry Pi either, but I think other micro controllers, single board computers are going to equally spike because they're jumping on the bandwagon that the Raspberry Pi is picking up steam. Because I'm, I'm definitely going to be asking for Arduino for Christmas. It's already have three, four Raspberry Pis now, <laughs> so I'm probably a good number of these. But I already see me as well buying one for a couple of family members, so we'll see how that works out. Yeah, I'm, I've I've got it on my wish list to get more, and a sense hat and a few other bits and pieces that are out there for uh, for playing with it. So uh, yeah, they're definitely going to be selling more. Christmas Christmas is coming. Get it, get it on your wish list. I hope they've got the uh, the production ramped up to handle the demand. But if you know fifty thousand a week, to me is just amazing. And leading into our interview with Russell Barnes, we're going to talk a little bit about right now this new book that just came out recently called Learn to Conquer the Command Line as part of a new series is being offered by the Magpie. And I downloaded this book for free. Uh, did either of you get a chance to check it out? I had a look through it. It's, uh, you know, it's, as it says, it's about com- conquering the command line, actually figuring out how to do things that are useful on the command line. Um, and it's very straightforward, very practical, very step-by-step. Um, I mean, for me, I play with Linux, I don't, I would not consider myself to be a master of it in any way, shape or form. And a command that kept coming up that I hear people doing amazing things with is, is grep. And it's covered in this. So, you know, I'll need to read it again. Yeah. But it definitely will sort that out for me. It'll, it'll take away kind of, you know, to be honest, some of that sort of concern about I'm getting into something that's crazy complicated because the way they described the commands and how to use them and the practical applications for them made me go, yeah, I'll use that. Yeah, I uh, so I downloaded the book and I completely agree with you, Albert. It definitely is. It's really good for anyone who gets lost the command line and I don't care how much of a guru you are, you're going to experience that, on, you know, every now and then for sure. So it does, it goes from super basic ideas all the way to how to mount drives, which is can get real confusing real quick if you don't, have uh, the internet on hand and I like that about the book too that it kind of consolidates all that knowledge into one central area it's not a real long book and it does a great way of divvying out the knowledge so it's kind of a one-stop shop for everything the the only uh, caveat I experienced with the book is it's it's kind of based around Raspbian Wheezy which makes completely sense because at that time the Pi was booting up its command line so I kind of wish uh, it's a good idea that someone had. I wish they'd done it a little bit sooner, but I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I still really like the book, and big props to uh, Richard Schmedley, 
I believe that's how you say his name, who was the big writer behind this book. And I believe this is the first of several books to come out if this one does really well. And I'm a big fan of it. I liked it. And it sounds like it's going to do really well. Well, you know me, anything that promotes Linux and helps people learn more about it has got to be a brilliant thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where they go next with the Magpie Essentials. I mean, that that, that just sounds great to me. I, I've seen other online publications previously where... You know they've taken their articles and they've they've bundled them together into a single a single piece, but it was just the articles put together into a single PDF so you could download it. But it it just didn't make as much sense as you know something that has been polished and made into an actual self-contained book effectively. Mm-hmm. And all these OSs contain you know a command line that's all d- derived from Linux, so it's good to have this book regardless if you're running uh, Raspbian, Ubuntu Mate or whatever, uh, mind you. So, yeah, I think it's really good. I liked it, enjoyed it, and highly recommend it to anybody. Yeah, and it's in the, the Android and the Apple App Store as well, which is fantastic because, you know, if you've got those devices and you want to have a, a version that's tailored for those platforms, then they're available in the store as well. Yeah, so you can have it free or you can contribute uh, a couple of quid just to help out the foundation. So, yeah, uh, excellent. So let's move on then and learn a bit more about the Magpie. We're now joined by Russell Barnes, who is the managing editor of the official Raspberry Pi magazine called The Magpie. So, welcome, Russell. Hi, thanks for having me. So, first of all, then, can you give us a bit of an introduction for yourself, a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, my name is Russell Barnes. I work for Raspberry Pi um, in publishing, doing uh, things like The Magpie magazine, which is the uh, official Raspberry Pi magazine. Um, I'm sort of 37. I live in Bournemouth, so I work remotely from uh, from the guys in Cambridge. But I, I go in once or twice a month uh, to catch up. And yeah, that's about it. So the uh, Magpie has been around for three years, I believe. Now, can you give us a little bit of the background origin story with the Magpie, Russell? Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, the Magpie actually started uh, as a community magazine back in May 2012, um, and I like to sort of say it started like all really good hacking and making projects uh, really just by some like-minded people sort of getting together on a forum and, and saying hey this would be cool let's let's give this a go um so they they started it up there's sort of a core, core team of uh, four or five people and they uh, started it up as a 30 to 40 page monthly magazine and it ran straight through all the way through they did uh, 30 issues it was altogether and uh yeah it was just it, it was really successful it was purely community driven they produced the whole magazine uh using raspberry pis using open source software and it was a really really great project and uh, and uh, something that really benefited the raspberry pi community okay and so you've been a writer and editor for quite a while i mean have you always done linux and open source stuff then not strictly no i mean i've always been a linux and open source advocate um i've always um had a linux pc for example um and you know it's a, it's a really big part of of technology these days so you can't really be a technology writer without sort of coming into contact with uh, with linux in in some way or another I've seen recently that the Magpie is now available in stores. Could you tell us what the atmosphere and the feeling was when that you guys accomplished that feat, or was that was it a milestone for you, you everybody there? Yeah, I mean, it was um, <clears throat> you know, it was a really it was a really interesting period. I mean, I joined uh, Raspberry Pi sort of towards the end of 2014, and it was at that point that um, 
the sort of core team of the Magpie was approaching uh, Raspberry Pi to sort of say, look, you know, we've, we're, we're starting to really struggle with the project. You know, there's, there's only sort of three or four of us. Um, obviously it's a massive task, you know, publishing a monthly magazine is, is, you know, more than a full-time job in itself. So when you've got jobs and you're moving houses and, you know, you're, you're living your lives, it's really hard to maintain for that long. I mean, I don't know how they managed it for that long. It was amazing. Um, so it was sort of decided that the, the magazine would be brought in house and, and that, that I'd sort of take it on, uh, and, and bring in some, bring in some, some people and, and bring in, um, obviously maintain it as a community magazine. So you still have uh, all the great community stuff that goes on. So we ran it as a digital magazine for a little while with a view to seeing how it went. And if, if people were sort of accepting, then, you know, we'd, we'd sort of see what we could do with it. And to actually get the first issue out, um, sort of, a, what was it, f- five months ago now? Uh, yeah, I, it went down really well. We, I was really chuffed to bits with the way it was received. Um, you know, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough act to follow and, you know, to try and uh, sort of take something like that and build on it without, upsetting the core community is is really hard you know it's really hard and uh but yeah it, it's gone down really well and things seem to be uh, going from strength to strength at the moment fingers crossed and so do you think that it's changed um in, in terms of content and layout and things going to print rather than just uh, pdf only yeah absolutely i mean you know the guys they actually did produce uh print versions of of the magpie that you could buy uh online um from various stores in fact you still can uh you can still get a whole whole bunch of copies from the swag store uh alongside the uh, uh alongside the new editions um but yeah i mean it had to change you know quite quite considerably um you know printing um for retail is a very different beast to sort of you know printing for for yourselves and and you know the community so you know there there was a lot that had to change and a lot of things that we we had to implement that are just you know things you have to do for example you know you just as much as we'd love to you simply can't produce a, a real retail magazine uh, on the Raspberry Pi alone. I mean, a lot of our writers use the Raspberry Pi, obviously, to produce their work. Um, but we have to use, you know, professional industry software to, you know, for output and things like that. You just can't avoid it. I mean, I know Linux Voice, um, you know, had had very similar trials and tribulations when they uh, when they went to print. They wanted to use open source, but at the moment, we're just not quite there yet. So um, how many stores exactly are selling the magazines. I think it's quite a testament to how much the Raspberry Pi is catching on because a lot of, I feel like print media now is having to go to digital due to declining sales, but it looks like the Magpie has taken the opposite route and is doing very well. Yeah, it was quite an uh, unusual thing to do really to take a digital magazine and then put it to print. I don't think uh, print's quite as doomed as people say it is. It's, um, you know, especially in technology, believe it or not, you'd think uh, technology buffs would be all over uh, digital only. But I mean, having come from publishing technology magazines for the last sort of 10, 15 years, uh, it's incredible, uh, especially especially in, in the Linux realm, how, how much print is still appreciated. And uh, and yeah, it's just great. I mean, I, I just love the way, for me, it sort of brings back those uh, years for me in the 80s and early 90s when you used to uh, buy your computer magazine with a tape stuck to the front or a disc or whatever. Or code that you could copy out. In the- <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Copy out the codes and you end up with something cool at the end of it. And that's, you know, that's something that Eben um, and Liz, 
who are both massive uh, sort of tra- traditional print fans, something they really wanted to capture. And that was a really big part of, of uh, you know, my aim. And, uh, you know, it's great because sometimes I see comments on Facebook and Twitter where people are saying, oh, it's just like the old days and, you know, this and that. So it's great. You know, it's a really great compliment to hear that. I mean, you mentioned Linux Voice there. Uh, they have said that they are kind of bucking the trend uh, when it comes to print being dead. Um, and they have a, a policy of, I think, after nine months, their stuff becomes Creative Commons licensed. And um, whereas with the Magpie, it's Creative Commons from day one. I mean, doesn't that kind of cause issues with selling something that is freely available? Yeah, I mean, you think that, but actually it, it, it's um, we're actually sort of seeing the opposite trend to that, really. I mean, this is a community magazine, first and foremost, and the community, um, you know, one thing I've learned, I've, I've done sort of Raspberry Pi websites and I've, I've sort of dabbled with different things. I mean, the, you know, the community is really hungry for content. They really want to, um, you know, have, have everything they can get their hands on. And I think with the magazine being in print, they, they want to buy it because they want something tangible. They want something physical uh, quite often. Um, and also they want to support what Raspberry Pi are doing. I mean, you know, just like uh, every sale of, uh, of a Raspberry Pi, all of the funds uh, generated from making the magazine um, go towards the foundation's charitable goals. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it sort of serves a purpose and, and people seem really happy to buy it. And, you know, to answer the earlier question, you know, we're, we're in all the major sort of high street retail stores um we're branching out into all of the uh supermarkets at the moment we're on sale in the states we're going into other territories soon and you know people really love it i mean you know when i used to work on uh, linux user and developer magazine years ago uh when the raspberry pi first came out people were so hungry for the content we you know we we just had to put it on the cover because people were crying out for it and so i know that the market's there and and it's um you know it's just great that we can actually do it and and have it out there yeah i completely agree with the print media kind of be over exaggerated i like digital media media just for the delivery of i want it now but when it comes Mm. to because i'm a developer looking at code or understanding code, there's nothing better than the print book or magazine in my hands and be able Absolutely. to use it that way. So uh, what do you see as the future being held for the Magpie? Well, I mean, you know, this is really just the very beginning. We've only had, what, four four issues and print. Uh, the next issue's out uh, at the end of November. I think it's the 26th of November. That's our Christmas issue. You know, I'd love to tell you what we're doing with that. It's a really exciting issue, and I'm not just trying to hype it up, but we're, we're doing something really amazing uh, that's uh, actually never been done before. Um, so, you know, don't miss it. You know, like I say, it's the it's the beginning of the journey. You know, I want to, I really want to sort of continue growing and developing the magazine um, so that it sort of reflects and and um, serves the community. You know, what what they want to know about, and I think you know that that community always sort of grows and changes and uh you know with the times and i think it's uh you know it's a task in itself just to keep on top of that but we're also branching out into books and ebooks and other sort of side publishing projects and uh yeah so christmas is going to be a really exciting time you'll just have to keep your eyes peeled on uh raspberrypie.org for some uh quite cool little projects oh, okay that sounds very interesting and intriguing so uh, you must see a lot of different projects that are happening with the Raspberry Pi. Is, is there anything that's really stood out for you? Any projects that have really kind of caught your eye? Uh, 
Oh, it's um, probably the favourite part, actually, of my job is is um, following up and, and talking to the people that, that that make things. And, you know, it's a really big part of what the what the magpies really all about. Um, and yeah, I mean, every month we, we have like ha- at least half a dozen really cool projects. Um, I wouldn't even know where to start. There's so many, but I, I really like the way people are sort of using sort of modern hacking, uh, and making technology sort of, uh, using 3d printers to, to make a, a game boy, um, you know, that's slightly, slightly slimmer. It's got a slightly bigger screen and the battery lasts longer than the original game boy. And it's all powered by raspberry Pi and, um, you know, just just pretty much anything. I mean, we, we recently had a uh, a great feature on on the issue that's currently on sale. Um, that's just packed with really brilliant Halloween projects that people have been making. And alongside that, we've we've got a feature that's just like thirty minute projects. What can you hack and make together in thirty minutes? That's sort of really cool. And it, it sort of plays off on on the the Raspberry Pi strengths. You know, it's it's something that you can really quickly develop and and prototype with. And you know, they're great skills to learn, especially if you're looking into going to engineering or so- software development and things like that. You know, you really can. Uh, make stuff on on the go and and just uh, see immediate results and that's really what it's all about so russell besides the magpie i started first catching wind of you and what you were up to due to a previous raspberry pi podcast you used to run so you can you give us our listeners a little bit of a spill about that yeah sure sure um so um about six months after i finished uh at linux user and developer i uh I thought, right, okay, I'm sort of going alone now. And, you know, I was doing quite well, um, getting lots of freelance work in and, and things working out. But I was sort of a little bit bored. So I thought it would be really great to, to start like a, a side project. And uh, I was sort of chatting with uh, some of the guys at, uh, at a Raspberry Jam. I think it was in, in Cambridge at one point, And we sort of decided actually... You know, there, there's no podcast for the Raspberry Pi community. Well, at the time, obviously, there's you guys now. Um, but... Um, you know, and it, it was a challenge for me because I'm, I'm, te- I'm a terrible speaker. I'm not really sort of au fait with, you know, this sort of thing. I'm that, hence why I, I sort of hide behind magazines and things. But, um, I started it up as, as part of a, a new blog that I was doing called Raspberry Pi Today. And we could, I just called it the Raspberry Pi Today podcast. And the idea really was just to interview people. Uh, that are doing interesting things with Raspberry Pi. And it, it ran for about six months. I think I did about sort of around about 30 episodes. And it actually did, it did quite well at times. It was, it was sort of riding quite high on the iTunes chart uh, in the technology sector uh, section. Um, so it was sort of top five, top 10, sort of reasonably regularly, which was kind of crazy. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a really good fun thing to do. And I'd love to still be doing it now, but I just like, you know, just uh, starting at Raspberry Pi, there's just so much, so much going on that it's, it's impossible to sort of juggle all these things all, all at once. But okay. And so why did you end it then? Was it just literally you didn't have time to do it anymore? Yeah. I mean, it got to, um, Christmas 2014 and uh, things were happening with the whole magpie thing you know the conversation uh, with the original sort of core team was going on um, at Raspberry Pi and um, I was also doing some other projects with Evan and Liz 
and it was just yeah there was just too much i would have loved to have done it it really was just a time constraint thing you know it's it takes a lot of you guys know it takes time to do this sort of stuff and you, you yeah. guys do it a hundred times better than i ever did but um you know even then it was it was a real challenge so uh russell do how do can people are they are they able to contribute to the magpie on their own articles or is there a set group of defined writers that write for the magpie no, I mean, it's still it's still a sort of magazine by the community and for the community, as they say. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. You know, we love getting uh, community uh, contributions. Uh, it's really easy, really easy to do. All you've got to do is drop us a line at magpie at raspberrypi.org. And that's magpie, M-A-G-P-I. Uh, and just let me know what you're doing. It will come straight to me and um, I'll, I'll check out your idea. And um, if it's got legs, we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely run it. I mean, what we tend to do is we, you know, ask people to sort of supply a sample of anything they might have written before, if it was a blog or just whatever. Um, and then we'll work with them to develop the idea. It might be a tutorial. It might be a, a, a about something they're working on, a cool project idea. Uh, and then we'll we'll help them sort of put a little template together so that they can um, just literally fill in the blanks, just just write write the bits that, that that they need to write, and then we'll put it through the process. And and within a few weeks, their article will be in the magazine. It's it's really that simple. That sounds excellent. So uh, if people want to go and download the magazine or find out more about it, where what's the website? Yeah, sure. So the official Raspberry Pi magazine, you can find it at raspberrypi.org forward slash magpie. Uh, you can download, uh, I think we're up to 39 issues for totally for free. You can subscribe to us on your favorite digital device or uh, buy us in the stores. Um, yeah, you can find us in, in the UK. You can find us in WH Smith's, Tesco, Sainsbury's, uh, Asda. Uh, in America, you can find us in Barnes & Noble and uh, Micro Center. And hopefully lots more stores coming soon. Okay, great. So, uh, well, thanks for coming on the show and giving us your time and hopefully speak to you again at some point. Yeah, great. Thanks, guys. It's been great fun chatting. Thanks for having me. That was a, a great interview with Russell. I'm sorry I wasn't able to make it, but I mean, the magpie is, is definitely one of the go-to things that I send people to if they want to know what to do. There's a lot of people looking for inspiration and uh, the magpie is a great place to start. And Russell's a great guy for for doing it, taking it on. I used to enjoy his uh, the podcast as well, the Raspberry Weekly one. Um, so yeah, he's a good guy and he's doing great work with that. I uh, completely agree with that, Albert. Lots of good articles, lots of good writers participating to the magazine. And I equally recommend that magazine to everybody that's all about the Raspberry Pi. It's a great, great Raspberry Pi magazine. Yeah, and I even saw it in a, a real shop the other day when I was in Liverpool. I saw it in uh, Tesco. So uh, yeah, good to see. Yeah, I got my copy this month in uh, WH Smith, so... Yeah. So with that then, we're coming to the end of another Pi Podcast. If you want to get in contact, you can email show at thepipodcast.com or find us on Twitter or Facebook or leave a comment on the website. Thanks for joining me, Isaac and Albert, and thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you again in two weeks with more Raspberry Pi news, interviews, and discussion. Bye, everyone. Take care. See you later.